We have a starting quarterback for Sunday. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Thursday, November 11th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from GangGreenNation.com. Jets head coach Robert Sala announced which of his quarterbacks will be starting on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills yesterday. We'll talk about that. We'll also join Joe Marino, the host of Locked On Bills, for Crossover Thursday, ahead on today's episode of the Locked On Jets podcast. You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks, as always, for making Locked On Jets your first listen each day. And this episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Shortly, I'll be joining Joe Marino, the host of Locked On Bills, for our weekly crossover Thursday segment. Always great to speak with Joe. If you're a longtime listener of Locked On Jets, you're probably familiar with him. He comes on prior to every Jets-Bills game. And he's also a draft analyst at the Draft Network, so we'll have him on from time to time to talk prospects. But before we get to that, we do have some news. Robert Sala has named his starting quarterback for this weekend, and it is Mike White. This comes as no real surprise. It felt like things were kind of leaning in this direction the whole way. Zach Wilson does not seem 100% healthy at this point. And quite frankly, the Jets should not be putting Zach Wilson on the field when he's less than 100% healthy. As much as anything, I think, and we've talked about this Mike White thing from all different angles, but the biggest part of Mike White's success for the Jets might be that it eliminates the temptation to rush Zach Wilson back there. Zach Wilson can heal on his own time, and Joe Flacco will be the backup quarterback this weekend. I've heard some complaints from the Jets fan base that Josh Johnson's not going to be the backup. I I don't get upset about that. I know Josh Johnson played well against the Colts, but let's be honest, there are a lot of data points to compare Joe Flacco with Josh Johnson, and I'm not a big Flacco guy. If you listened to this podcast a year ago, You know I was not that impressed by what Flacco did for the most part with the Jets. I was not upset to see him leave. And yes, Josh Johnson played well last weekend, but looking at these guys' track records, there's not really much doubt in my mind Joe Flacco is better than Josh Johnson. Now you can say, well, with Mike White's success, did the Jets really need to trade for Joe Flacco? Maybe not. And that's a good point, but if we're just comparing Joe Flacco with Josh Johnson... Johnson's performance against the Colts notwithstanding, I think that this is the correct move for this team. I think that Flacco should be active as the backup. And the other issue is that the Jets have not elevated Johnson to the 53-man roster yet. He's been on the practice squad, and he's been elevated two straight weekends. And the way the NFL rules work is that you can elevate a practice squad player two straight weeks and then put him back on the practice squad after the game. But that third week, you need to give him an active roster spot. So the Jets would have to give Josh Johnson a 53-man roster spot if he was active this weekend. Just doesn't make sense with Flacco in the mix. Again, you want to complain about the Flacco trade? That's a separate issue. I understand that. I have no issue with Flacco being active this weekend as the backup. And I'm sorry, I just cannot buy into Josh Johnson as a credible option. Listen, they got a good performance from him last weekend. I don't expect him to repeat that. We, ha- we don't have much data on Zach Wilson or Mike White at this point. They're too young. We have a lot of data on Josh Johnson to suggest he's probably not going to replicate that performance this weekend. But as far as White goes, I think that this was the right move on any number of levels. I talked about 
John about how Zach Wilson needs to be 100% healthy before he gets back into the lineup, and that's true. But beyond that, I just think Mike White has earned the opportunity to start until he proves he's not up to the job. And this is a big test for him. And, you know, another element of this is that you don't want to put Zach Wilson in there against this Bills defense, which is a tremendous defense. But beyond that, it's a good test for Mike White. I think at this point, you're wondering a little bit, if you're the Jets, how real is this thing? Can Mike White sustain this? And that's an open question. You know, Mike White's got to show that he can push the ball down the field. He did not have to do that against the Bengals. Against the Colts, you know, the brief stretch he was in there, he did it a little bit more, but the touchdown pass he threw was on a busted coverage. He did not really have to fit a ball into a tight window on that one. So this is a good test to show how good Mike White really is. Now, if he goes out there and performs great and throws for another 400 yards, I don't think it necessarily means that he's a franchise quarterback. Two games are two games. But it shows you that this thing might be worth continuing to explore. I think Mike White stays in the lineup until he proves he doesn't belong there, and I think that's the way it should be. And that does not mean that you change your long-term plans. Until further notice, Zach Wilson is the quarterback of the future. But giving Mike White an extra start this weekend, or even another start or two beyond this, does not necessarily mean the Jets are changing their long-term plans. It just means that they're putting the quarterback in there who's performed well. I mean, sometimes I think we overthink this stuff. I go back to what people were saying when the Jets traded for Flacco as though this was like part of some intricate plan Joe Douglas had hatched to get a backup quarterback. He didn't want to have Flacco on the roster, so he always had this deal in his back pocket. Well, honestly, the most logical explanation is that Joe Douglas didn't like what he had on his roster, so he made the move. This wasn't part of some long... The Flacco trade wasn't some part of some long-term plan, I, would, I wouldn't imagine. The most common sense thing you can do is if you want a backup quarterback, you have him on your roster. And similar to this, you know, I've heard all these theories out there about how, well, Zach's your long-term quarterback, so even if Mike White goes and throws for another 400 yards, you can't put him back out there because Zach's the long-term quarterback. It's really much more simple than that. The guy who's the best should play. That's it. That's all there is to it. Right now, Mike White is the best quarterback the Jets have had based on performance. Now, long-term, I'm not sure he's going to be. After this weekend, I'm not sure he's going to be. You know, he goes out there and plays poorly against Buffalo. I don't think there's much doubt. Zach's going to be in next weekend if he's healthy. And that's the way it should be. But this is a football team. You're trying to win games. So the best quarterback should play. And the guy who's playing really well should continue to play. And if Mike White stops playing well, then he should stop playing. But until that point comes, he's the best quarterback. I mean, that's the way you should run your team. I hate it when teams give preferential treatment to early draft picks but just based on draft status. And listen, it always happens. And it's even happening here, to be honest with you. Zach Wilson could go out and play poorly multiple weeks in a row, and he's still going to be the starting quarterback for this team. Mike White only gets one chance. If Mike White plays poorly this weekend, back to the bench he goes. So that's the Jets' long-term plan right there. If you're worried that the Jets are changing their long-term plan, they're not. Mike White is being graded on a much tougher curve than Zach Wilson. And I actually think that that's fair. I mean, I think if you look at the talent level on these two guys, it's fair to evaluate that Wilson's the more likely of the two to be a franchise quarterback. But you can't ignore what Mike White did against Cincinnati two weeks ago, and to a lesser extent what he did against the Colts. Even though he played well, it's different playing well one quarter versus playing well four quarters versus Cincinnati. 
So I think that what the Jets did was smart. Robert Sala did not commit to what he was going to do at the quarterback position beyond this week, and that's smart again. You know, everybody wants to make some final determination. I've heard people say Zach needs to go back in as soon as he's healthy. Well, let's see what White does first. If White is the better option, he could, should continue to play. I've also seen people say White should be the quarterback for the rest of the season. Well, let's slow down there a little bit. He's played five good quarters. Let's not give him that much leeway. Let's see what he does this weekend, because he may just fall back to earth. That game may be a mirage. Let's just see what happens, and then we can go from there. I think Robert Sell is handling this well. I think that this was the correct decision for the Jets. Zach Wilson gets a little bit more time to recover. He gets some more time to watch from the bench, maybe learn from the sideline, and we'll see what happens. We will reevaluate after this weekend. Now, ahead here on the Locked On Jets podcast, it will be crossover Thursday. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills will lead us back in. But before we get to that, I want you to know that this episode of Locked On Jets is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. Going back to when I was a kid, I have so many memories of McDonald's. I'd go to birthday parties there. When I was going on vacation down the shore, we'd stop there at a rest stop for lunch just to kind of relax and stretch our legs. And who knows, maybe after a big upset win this weekend over Buffalo, Robert Sala will take Mike White and the rest of the Jets out there to celebrate. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say Locked On Jets watch party? McDonald's. I'm loving it. Now, fans of the Jets know that Robert Sala's mantra is all gas and no break. I want to tell you about an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. It's called GetUpside, and my listeners are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just to download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code TOUCHDOWN and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code TOUCHDOWN to get up to $0.50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two dollars or $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card to Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code TOUCHDOWN. Again, that's the free GetUpside app, promo code TOUCHDOWN for up to $0.25 cash back on gas. Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, joined by John Butchko, the host of the Locked On Jets podcast. And the Bills are done playing the Miami Dolphins this year, but they haven't faced either the Jets or the Patriots. So finally, a different AFC rival on tap for the Bills this week. And I'm anxious to get John's thought on the New York Jets. And so let's dive right in. We got to talk about the quarterback situation. And um, is it going to be Zach Wilson this week? Is it going to be Mike White this week? And I guess we're going to learn that. And unfortunately, we're recording this before Coach Salem makes that declaration. But what's interesting for me to hear from you, John, is Zach Wilson and the success of the offense compared to what we've seen since he's not been in the lineup. And it's a pretty much been night and day. I mean, there's been a lot more production 
uh, in terms of yards and scoring first downs are way up without Zach Wilson in the lineup. And it's not like they handed it over to, uh, you know, a, a, somebody with experience, right? It's Mike White who had never played in a game before this year. And so I'm just kind of curious what you can share with us about why you think the Jets offense has looked so much better without Zach Wilson in it. Well, I think there are a couple of reasons. First of all, obviously Zach Wilson's a rookie and to be honest with you, Joe, for most of the season, he's looked like a rookie. There have been some struggles reading defenses. There have been some shaky decisions to some extent, the stuff you would expect from an inexperienced player, but there have been some changes to the offense since Mike white took over. Now last week against the Colts, it's a little bit difficult to say because white was only in for a quarter before he got hurt and left the game. And the game kind of got out of hand from that point. Josh Johnson did a decent job after the game was out of reach for the Jets. But a couple of things that, that are noteworthy, they're throwing the ball more on first down. I think that with Wilson under center, the Jets kind of got in the mindset that they were going to try and run the ball to protect him. And it really did not work out that well. The Jets are near the bottom of the league in rushing efficiency. When White took over, the Jets got a little bit more aggressive on first downs, throwing the ball. And if you look at their average third down distance, it's actually been shorter under White than under Wilson. So it shows you maybe their thought process behind trying to protect Wilson with the run game was a little bit flawed. Another thing that's very noteworthy is the Jets have been spreading the field more. They, I believe, had four receivers on the field at one time with Wilson three times in the games he started and I believe they increased that fivefold in the Cincinnati game with white. And I think that that might be kind of a stylistic difference between the two quarterbacks because Wilson likes to throw the ball down the field in the games that he started. He was near the top of the league in time to throw and in the top 10 of average depth of target, whereas white likes to distribute the ball quickly. He had a very quick release. In fact, against Cincinnati, this is an amazing stat. He threw for over 400 yards. He did not throw a single pass that traveled more than 15 yards down the field. I take that back. There was one pass, but it did not count because the Jets got called for a penalty. So he was really trying to spread the ball short. So these are the stylistic differences in the offense. I think Wilson likes to push the ball down the field a little bit, a little bit more. Locked on Jets listeners know that one of my great frustrations in the early part of the season is how frequently the Jets have used two tight end sets because with all due respect to Tyler Croft, the guy you and Bills fans probably know pretty well, Jets do not have a great or a deep tight end room. But understanding that Wilson likes to push the ball down the field, that he likes to hold the ball a little bit longer, it's difficult to put four receivers on the field at a time because if you face blitzes, they're going to force the quarterback to get the ball out quickly, and you're not going to have the time for long developing routes that go 20 yards down the field. With White, a guy who can get the ball out quicker and likes to get the ball out quicker, it's much easier to spread the field. So the production's been different, but the offense has also been different. So, John, I, I want to chime in here because I'm guessing there's a lot of Jets listeners that heard me phrase that question and they're saying, oh, this guy is this Bills guy's coming in and trying to cast shade on the rookie quarterback. And what I really wanted to do is kind of set it up to add to what you just said. You said a lot of things that I, I figured you would, but I think this is a very much resemblance of what we saw the bills go through in 2018 with Josh Allen, where they started that year with just Nathan Peterman as the other quarterback on the roster. And uh, 
I think that was a mistake that the Bills didn't have a veteran quarterback to really help uh, with the acclimation of Josh Allen to the NFL. And then Josh Allen gets hurt against Houston. He misses like three or four games. And when that happens, the Bills go out and sign Derek Anderson, a veteran. They go out and sign Matt Barkley, a veteran. And Josh Allen got a chance to see other players in his spot get coached and go through the ebbs and flows of a game. And it was the best thing for Josh Allen. The Bills actually like immediately signed Anderson and Barkley to extensions. And it's something that Josh Allen himself will, will point back to in his evolution as a player as a turning point and something that was very beneficial to him. And I think there's going to be a lot of parallels between um, that rookie season and how the quarterbacks were handled and, and how they come out of it because Zach Wilson's incredibly talented and, you know, obviously Mike White's had some success in his spot, but the high ceiling is with Zach Wilson. And so I think that this is a great fail forward opportunity for the Jets and for Zach Wilson and his evolution as a quarterback. And I, I certainly can't wait to see him back on the field and see how he progresses from here, because I do think that this is going to be a, a launch point for him uh, to kind of take that next step as a rookie. Now, one thing that's been fun about the Jets offense over the last couple of weeks has been two of their rookie playmakers emerging, Elijah Moore at wide receiver. I loved him in the draft. I wanted the Bills to pick him in the first round. And then, of course, um, the running back, Michael Carter, out of North Carolina. So what can you tell us about those two playmakers and how the Jets are getting them going right now? Elijah Moore is very interesting because every single day in training camp, in the early stages, you heard Elijah Moore is making plays left and right. You heard he was going to be an immediate impact player. And then he got hurt at a training camp practice I actually attended, missed the entire preseason, and it's been a slow start to the year. And the last couple of weeks, I don't know whether it's the quarterback change. I tend to think it's not. I think the Jets have just made a more concerted effort to get him involved. You're seeing him involved a little bit in the run game. They're throwing him. I guess these are technically completions. They're throwing him little pop passes on kind of jet sweep action. They're trying to stretch the field with him. It seems like they've been incorporating him more in the progressions than they did in the early part of the season. It just seems like they're getting him involved more frequently. One of the complaints I heard from Jets fans in the early stages was they weren't using him in the slot enough. I have to tell you, Joe, I mean, I was watching the film. It seemed like he was doing fine on the outside. He was getting clean releases off the line. It looked like he was getting separation. For whatever reason, the Jets just weren't able to get him the ball. I agree with you. The sky's the limit. He's beginning to see more volume. And beyond that, I think that it's only a matter of time before he starts making some big plays that kind of flip the field. Uh, I think that's the one thing that's been missing is, is the, you know, the 30 yard play. I think that those will be coming the way he's producing. And as you mentioned, Michael Carter, now you look at his yards per carry statistics, you know, they they look okay. They're not that great, but the jets have not done a great job run blocking this season. And if you look at some of the more advanced stats, he's in the top 10 of average yards after contact per rush. And among running backs, I believe he's number two in missed tackles per touch. So you see that this is a guy, the Jets can never block for him. They may have something on their hands here. And it's very exciting for the Jets because this was a draft class that had a lot of optimism going into it. We've been there before with the Jets, and it hasn't always worked out. And I'll give you another guy, Elijah Vera Tucker, who has really rounded into form. The Jets traded up in the first round with their second first round pick, and they sent a couple third round picks to Minnesota to move up for Vera Tucker. He's really, now he had a rough game against the Colts on Thursday night last week, but he's really be, 
begun to round it to form both as a pass protector and as a run blocker. Let's talk about this Jets defense and um, coach Sala known for his defensive pedigree and, you know, certainly had a lot of success in San Francisco. I think, I think we're all a little bit surprised by some of the struggles that this defense has had now, obviously Carl Lawson getting injured and not quite being there from a personnel standpoint yet in the rebuild and, and adding what coach Sala is going to need for this defense to really take shape. But if you can kind of just walk us through what you're seeing with the Jets defense, what do they do well? And then where are kind of the chinks in the armor right now? I think the worst surprise has been the play of the defensive line the last few weeks, because on paper, this should be the strength of the team. And there have been some individual games where they played very well. The game against Tennessee, the defensive line took over. Over the last few weeks, though, they've been manhandled in the trenches. Quinton Williams has been very up and down. He was the third overall pick a couple of years back last year, especially late in the season. It felt like he was beginning to put the pieces together. He has not been bad this year. He's on pace for eight or nine sacks, but he's been very inconsistent. There have been some games where he's had a really tough go of it inside. Uh, Jets have another guy, John Franklin Myers, who got off to a very hot start this season and got an extension. And his play's really fallen off since the extension. They have another, you know, Sheldon Rankins was assigning in the offseason, he's played some good games, but he had a really rough game against the Colts. That's the disappointing part of this defense right now, because this is the unit that's supposed to carry them. And yes, you're absolutely right. Carl Lawson's out, but this defense can't work without the line playing really well. They have a lot of inexperience at cornerback, a bunch of guys who were late round picks. You have Bryce Hall, who the Jets drafted out of Virginia last year in the fifth round, has done a pretty decent job this season. You have Brandon Eccles out of Kentucky, a late round pick this year. And in the slot, you have Michael Carter, the second Jets drafted two players named Michael Carter this year. He's been playing the slot and they've been playing pretty well, but this is a fairly conservative defense. They play very soft coverage shells and they don't ask a lot out of these corners. The Jets tried to increase their speed at the linebacker position. CJ Mosley dropped weight in the off season. They brought in Jared Davis from Detroit they drafted a couple of guys in the late rounds who were safeties, who they're converting to linebacker. It's all about adding speed to the linebacker position, but that means you don't really have guys who can shed blocks. So the defensive line needs to hold the point of attack in the trenches, and they haven't really been doing that. So I think this is very much a unit, even though I would say the corners have been a, some, something of a pleasant surprise. They've also been given a lot of help. You don't see a lot of one-on-one matchups that these guys are asked to carry out particularly difficult matchups. So really it's all about the defensive line. And I think as the defensive line goes, so goes the jets in the games where the defense has played well, you've seen the line produce in the games where they've struggled. You've seen the line really struggle to hold, hold the point of attack. John, the last one for you, before I kind of hand the keys over to you here, um, tell us about coach Salo year one. What's the vibe like? How is he acclimating? You know, it's not an easy market to step into and be a head coach is especially where the jets have been in recent years. And, you know, the urgency to kind of get things turned around. And I've, I've enjoyed following coach Sala and, you know, seeing him get to the jets. And I, I love listening to press conferences and I've watched a lot of the YouTube stuff that the jets have put out where you, they peel, you know, the, the curtain back and you get to see how he interacts with the, with the players, at least what they want you to see. So uh, I have my own thoughts, but I'd like to hear from you on coach Sala so far at this point and how he's been received. I think the honeymoon is over with the fan base. 
this was a hire that generated a lot of excitement, mainly because he wasn't Adam Gase. And I think Jets fans would have been excited about anybody who wasn't Gase. I think this is an impatient fan base right now. The Jets have not been to the playoffs in over a decade. People want to see results. And I think that the number of times the Jets have been uncompetitive this season has hurt. And the game that really comes to mind is a couple of weeks back when the Jets came off their bye and got blown out at New England. Is this entirely fair? I would argue no. I think that people are being too hard on Sela. I think that you have to remember he inherited a very difficult job. This was very much the beginning of a rebuild. The Jets have the youngest team in the NFL. In fact, they, it seems like they really made a concerted effort that they're going to go young this year. That means you're going to get inconsistency. It means that there are going to be some really rough moments. I still have hope for him. And I think that a lot of the criticism has been too harsh on him. Listen, have there been things that he could have done better? Yes. Have there been thing, areas where maybe he's been wrong making a decision or two? Absolutely. But I think you had to expect that. I frequently compare the situation the Jets have to the one the 49ers had when Kyle Shanahan took over. Sailor was his defensive coordinator. And if you look at the way things began out there, a lot of the same situation. They got off to a very slow start. People were questioning a lot of what they did. They wondered, is this the right coaching staff? Do they have enough experience? I think you have to give it time. And that's how I view it. I think the fan base, though, is getting a little impatient. Now ahead here on our Crossover Thursday show, I will take the lead and ask Joe some questions about the Buffalo Bills. He will give you great insight, and if you're looking to bet on the game, you should know that Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the football and basketball action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. That's one word with no space, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Bet Online is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Crossover Thursday here. We have some AFC East action. I'm John from Locked On Jets, along with Joe from Locked On Bills, previewing this weekend's game between the New York Jets and the Buffalo Bills. Joe, I have to begin by asking about Josh Allen. He had the third-year breakout in 2020, played MVP caliber football. How has year four been for the Wyoming product? It's been, it's been interesting. I think statistically he's very much on pace, if not better in some areas than he was last year, at least in terms of touchdown passes and some of his, some of his rushing success. What's been interesting is he's getting a lot more situations where teams are playing that cover two shell and they're not sending out extra rushers and, you know, really daring the bills to run the football. And that's kind of been a trend here lately where, they're clogging up those throwing lanes and daring the Bills to run it, and the Bills are not having a ton of success running the football. And so we're kind of at that point now where Josh is at a little bit of a, a crossroads in terms of, all right, how are you going to solve this one? And I think it's it's been on par with what we've seen from his evolution where a couple of years ago it was, well, blitz Josh Allen, and, and he's going to you know make mistakes and he can't handle the, 
the the zero high safety and in, in all out blitz with man coverage. Well, he beat that, and then teams started playing a lot more of a soft zone coverage. But now the latest evolution has been all right. We're going to give you two high safeties. They're going to be you know half field defenders, and then we're playing man underneath. We're going to rush four, and uh, let's see how you handle that. And that's been the latest challenge for the Bills' offense and Josh Allen. And so while he's been incredibly productive, there's been some moments where he hasn't been able to find those answers. And so I'm anxious to see how the Jets um, deploy their defense against the Bills and if they kind of follow suit with what he's seen over the last couple of weeks where the production hasn't been quite as good. And so uh, it's kind of at that spot where Josh has to kind of go out and deliver and and beat this style of defense that is being played against him uh, to continue, you know, his his claim to an MVP candidate and, uh, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And so that's, that's going to be fun to watch. But I really do think that that's more about the Bills being able to run the football successfully to get defenses out of that too high shell, uh, more so than it is Josh just trying to slot throws where he's got three or four eligible receivers against seven or eight guys in coverage. Well, that leads to the obvious follow-up question of how has the Bills run game been so far this year? Statistically, not bad. (laughs) You know, I think if you look at it, they're reasonably ranked in terms of total rushing yards and yards per carry. But I think the reality of it is when the Bills need to run the ball with their running backs, you know, in a traditional sense, they're not having the consistency that they need. And that really showed up last week against Jacksonville. It showed up the week before against Miami, at least in the first half of that game. And so um, I think between having middling running backs and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary and, you know, the Bills have been banged up with their offensive line. They've used five different offensive line combinations in, in their eight games. And I think that's caused a lot of issues, a lot of guys flipping sides and uh, guys moving from tackle to guard. And I think it's really limited their ability to be productive like they need to running the football over the last couple of weeks. So I don't think the stats here tell the story, um, but it's an important week for the Bills. Hopefully they'll get Spencer Brown, their right tackle back. That gets Darrell Williams back to right guard. They get better in two spots, and that would help ignite the rushing attack. But uh, I think their inability to run the ball when they need to run the ball, when other teams are daring them to do it, that lack of success is, is caught up a little bit, and that's a question mark heading into this game on the road against the Jets. Now, Joe, I look at the numbers, and I think one of the challenges it seems the Bills present is that Allen's really kind of spread the ball out. Can you talk about some of his favorite targets? Well, everybody knows Stefan Diggs, right? He's he's still around. I don't think he's had quite the the market share this year, and that probably has a lot to do with Dawson Knox emerging at tight end, Emmanuel Sanders being part of this offense, as well as Cole Beasley. And so, you know, they get them all going. Hopefully, the Bills will get Dawson Knox back this week. He missed the last few games with a broken hand and, you know, he was really emerging in the, in the first quarter of the season. And so hopefully he can pick up where he left off. And, you know, it's, it's been interesting as far as this Diggs, Beasley and Sanders top three, because it feels like on any given week, one guy's going to have the big game and maybe one guy's going to be more quiet than usual. And so they've, they like to ride the hot hand there, but I think in a game where the bills offense is wanting to get out of that rut, you know, I mean, scoring six points against Jacksonville, you know, I think this is going to be a, a heavy dose of Stefan Diggs and kind of getting back to what made the Bills, you know, one of the best offenses in the league last year, the number one scoring offense in the AFC. And they're still scoring a lot of points, right? I feel like I'm preaching a lot of like negativity. They're, they're still uh, number four in the NFL in scoring offense, 29.4 points per game. They're still getting a ton of yards. You know, we're talking about a, a top eight offense in the NFL. 
Uh, I just think that they set such a high bar last year. And obviously you're getting some different looks and some different challenges and it's the ebbs and flows of, of professional football. And so right now the bills offense is in a bit of a lull. And so there's a lot of negativity felt towards it and a lot of intrigue for how they're going to kind of get out of this rut against the jets defense that let's face it. They've been giving up a lot of points. They've been giving up a lot of yards, but that was true for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, everybody was scoring and moving the ball against Jacksonville. And the Bills had some struggles there. And even the week before against Miami, that first half, they scored three points, really didn't move the ball well at all. So it's going to be uh, an interesting opportunity here where I guess the rubber meets the road here and, and see how this Bills offense fares and if they can get out of this rut. Well, let me ask you, what happened against Jacksonville? Well, it, I think what you had is a situation. Well, defensively, they played amazing, right? They held them to nine points. I mean, the, 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 J- the Jags didn't really move the football, but I think you saw some frustrations mount for the Bills offensively. There was a ton of penalties in that game. And, um, you know, they, they couldn't run the ball effectively at all. And they, they wanted to throw it. And, you know, it was a situation where they were getting that too high safety look, playing the man coverage underneath the too high shell. They were blitzing somebody, usually the slot corner. Sometimes they'd send the safety and drop a defensive lineman, kind of sending guys different ways, challenging the Bills offensive line that was, you know, with three guys not in their normal spot. And um, it, they, the communication broke down up front, and you saw some frustrations mount. Uh, Josh Allen had three turnovers in the game. They were all bad. I mean, there were two bad interceptions and a bad fumble. And I thought it was just a situation where the frustrations mounted and, um, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't play well and, and they lost on the road to Jacksonville and it's a, uh, it's a black eye. And so you've, you got a bills team that's licking their wounds and I'm sure that they're anxious to kind of get their season back on track on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. I was watching that game and I was rooting for the bills because I felt like the Jets best shot in this game was to get a complacent bills team. Yeah. And I don't think we're going to get that that, right. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I was. I was like, I wanted the bills to go out and crush the Jaguars. They were feeling good about themselves because when the Jets beat the Bengals a couple of weeks ago, the Bengals were riding high off this huge win over Baltimore. And so I was thinking, well, maybe we'll get the same situation. Well, obviously Baltimore is not quite Jacksonville, but I was kind of hoping we wouldn't get the bills best shot. And I think we're getting that this weekend. Yeah, I think that's that's probably a fair assessment. Um, the Bills, I'm guessing, are going to be hungry, but I think that everyone learned a good lesson about some of those buzzy phrases that exist in the NFL for a reason. Any given Sunday, and humility in the NFL is one week away. Now, you want to talk about really forcing people to push the panic button, lose consecutive games to the Jaguars and Jets, right? I mean, that's really going to get uh, people wondering what this Bills team is and what they're made of. And so I think it's definitely a... a, a pivotal moment for the bills in their season to come out and hey look last week was an aberration that's not us this is us right and so if they go out and do that I think everyone can smile and be happy it's the first of of three games in 12 days for the bills uh you know so they have a real opportunity here to kind of stack some wins and get their season back on track and you know everything that they want to achieve is right there ahead of them but they got to take this Jets team seriously uh, because they've already proven that they can beat some good teams I mean you mentioned the Bengals win but they beat Tennessee and Tennessee responded by winning their next five games. And that streak is and counting. And so hopefully the Bills, right, if you're a Bills fan, maybe not the Jets fans, but from a Bills fan perspective, that's what you're hoping to see, that this is a turning point in the season. And it starts with a really solid showing against New York on, uh, on Sunday. Now, one thing the Bills don't have question marks about is that defense. It's been a tremendous unit all season long. Who are the key players? Well, I mean, it's, this is a, a defense that has been very much the, 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 
the back seven has been in place since 2017, all of them since 2018, right? So most of them since 2017, all of them since 2018, when you factor in the linebackers in the secondary. And so there's a lot of time on task together and, and playing off of each other. And, you know, there's not a route combination that they haven't seen, right? They, they understand what's, what's coming their way and they know how to respond. And so that back seven is really, really sound. And I think this year the Bills have really gotten the defensive line rotation where they want it. They rotate a ton of players. I think they, they roster 11 defensive linemen. They usually dress eight or nine and they play them all. And so you've got a bunch of first round picks and you know, Greg Rousseau and Ed Oliver and, you know, former first round picks like Jerry Hughes and that and, and Starla Tulay, albeit for other teams, but you know, still really talented players. Uh, second round pick AJ Epinesa that they recently picked, a, a veteran in Mario Addison. And, you know, they they got this this rotation up front where they like it to complement a really, really secure back seven. And, you know, you got coaches that have been in place since 2017. So you got this beautiful marriage of talent, coaching, and continuity. And they're a really disciplined unit that plays good ball. All right. Well, Joe, always a pleasure. We will do it again at the end of the season, or at least it will be the end of the Jets season in January. <laughs> Probably will not be the end of the Bills season, but always a pleasure, my friend. I enjoyed it, John. Thank you. That's our show for today. Thank you for listening. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, if you enjoy the show, subscribe to it and leave it a good review. Have a great Thursday, everybody. We'll be back tomorrow to close out the week.